Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Hey, good morning, South Valley. Well, if you don't know me, I'm Seth, and I'm one of the pastors here at South Valley, and we are so excited to have you with us this morning. Uh, Whether you're here in person or online, we're excited that you're here. And I do want to say, if you are with us online this morning, that, uh, that we're just glad you're sticking through some of the technical problems that we've been having. And, uh, and we want to remind you that we value you and that we are working towards giving you a better experience, uh, and we'll keep you informed throughout the process. Um, let, me, let me ask a question this morning. How many people in here have ever had a job? Okay, this is, this is what I was hoping for. This is encouraging. Uh, and don't worry, this isn't a message on money. Uh, um, so, so, okay, that's good. So most of you have had a job. Uh, that means that most of you should be pretty familiar with the process that it takes to get a job, right? So I was told by a friend of mine recently who was, she was in the hiring process trying to bring on new employees, and she was talking about how difficult it actually was for her to find new employees, and, and not just like find good employees, right? Like, she was talking about how difficult it was to find any employees. Like, like you would think that it would be pretty easy to get a bad employee hired at the very least, right? But she, she was finding nothing. And so she was, she was going through the process and trying to get people hired. Uh, she, she managed a preschool. And so she'd get these applications in, and people knew they're wanting to work at a preschool, so they've got to go through a background check. So the, they've got this process, but the good news is that the company was willing to pay for the background check and schedule it all and everything for you. So basically, she would call and say, hey, you have to be at this place at this time, and they'll run your background check. We'll cover the cost for you and everything. It's all good. And wouldn't you know it, people just didn't show up, right? They just, they just didn't show and, and then those same people, so she would call and say, okay, I'll give them a little bit of grace. We'll try to schedule another one. And then she would call and the phone line's like disconnected. And she's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And so it's not just good applicants that she's, that she's struggling with. It's been literally any hires at all. Now, hopefully, all of you know that if you want to get a job, you have to put in a little more effort than just turning in the application, right? Right? Okay, cool. Just, guys, we're not even five minutes into this yet. Just making sure you're still with me. So so you you understand that you actually have to show up for the interview, right? You, You actually have to go into training. You actually have to get up and go to work if you get the job, right? The application isn't good enough. Even getting hired isn't good enough because there are still more steps to be taken, right? And so so last week, Pastor Ricky finished off his very first sermon series since he's been here, which was a series on prayer. And if you missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and and watch the series online. If you missed any of the messages, go back and watch them um, because a lot of that will really help uh, kind of set the trajectory for this message today. And so I'd encourage you to go back and look at that. But see, Ricky 
started by talking about prayer because he understood, and we understand as a staff, that as we're moving into this new season as a church, it has to be soaked in prayer. We need God to move if we want to see anything worthwhile being accomplished. And so it's important that we don't just come to church, hear these messages, and then stop. Call it a day, you check the box, you turn in your application, you're good to go, right? There's so much work to be done. And honestly, as a staff, we cannot wait to partner with each of you to do the work that Jesus has set before us as a church. We are, we are legitimately excited about that. And listen, I, I know that we had a, a good chunk of people over the past few weeks who actually just stepped into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. And, and that in and of itself is exciting and worth being celebrated. But, but listen, you can't just get in and then stop. There's more steps to be taken. There's more to do. J- just like if there's more to being an employee than just turning in the application, then surely there's more to being a Christian than just stepping in. Right? So, so Ricky ended our series last week, uh, which was on prayer, and he ended it by talking about the prayer of Jesus on the cross. And after that moment, uh, hopefully we know being Christians that after that moment, three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. He came back to life. He met with his followers. They got to see the scars in his hands. They got to see that this is the man that they watched die, and he now is fully back to life. And they met with this man, and Jesus, as he continues with them through the rest of his little bit of time on earth, he commissions them to go out and to launch the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, to carry out the work that he had started and put into trajectory on the cross. And so as we begin to read through the book of Acts, we start to see all these incredible things happening from the church, these people who are Jesus followers. We see what starts as this small grassroots movement of of just some misfits, We see that begin to absolutely explode across the world. And we see lives being changed. We begin to see thousands of people, just in the book of Acts, thousands of people begin to devote their lives to Jesus and be baptized. And that's where we're going to pick up in our text this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And if you're looking for that, look for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts in your New Testament. If you hit Romans, go back. You went too far. And so Acts chapter 2, and in verse 42, following these thousands of people coming to know Jesus and devoting themselves to him through baptism, we read this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Now, now listen, I could, I could spend the next six weeks just going on the few verses that we're going to go over here this morning, uh, but I won't because Ricky said he's got another sermon series coming, and, and I'd like you guys to be here for that too. So we'll just try to move through it quick. But first, I, I want to focus just on, on this passage, and they devoted themselves. They were all in. They were disciplined. See, when these people encountered Jesus, 
they recognized that they were encountering the living God, and that radically changed the way that they did everything. Everything changed when they met the living God. See, the thing about Jesus is that when you encounter the real Jesus, he demands a response from you. You're either all in or you're opposed to him. There's no middle ground with Jesus because he's demanding that response from you. And this verse actually covers most of what we're going to talk about this morning. But this first point of devotion is important because the breakthrough of the early church could not have happened without the total devotion of these followers of Jesus. They were all in. See, when when I was in my freshman year of high school, I found myself interested in a girl who would not become my wife. And, uh, and I think we all know that a freshman in high school will do just about anything they can to try and impress a girl, right? I was no exception to this rule. I, I was your typical freshman. And so I'm, I'm infatuated with this girl, and I find out she's on the tennis team. And see, it just so happened to be the perfect time of year that it was tennis sign-up season. So the wheels start turning, right? I get this idea, and I'm like, oh, there's nothing that can go wrong with this idea. And, and so, so I go and I sign up for the tennis team, and there's tryouts, right? So I, tr- I show up for the tryouts. I tried the best that I can. I don't know how tennis works, and I'm just out there. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you hit this ball, and if it goes over the net, that's a good thing, right? And so, so I go and I try out Somehow I made the team, which I don't know what that says about Hanford West Tennis, but I made the team. And, and shortly, like literally days after, the girl that I was interested broke up with me. Right before our first match. So you know what I did? I just never showed up, right? I never called to let the coach know that I was out. I just quit, like I, I just, I didn't quit like you would traditionally quit something professionally. I just didn't show up. I, I'd see the coach around the school and I'm like, like I've never seen this man in my life. I don't know, I, I, no, I never tried out for tennis. What are you talking about? And uh, I was a terrible liar, <laughs> but, but so I was just, I was out and see the problem was I wasn't devoted. I had no devotion to tennis. I still don't, right? I'm still terrible at it, and nobody in here will find out how bad I am because I'm just not interested in tennis enough to play it with you, right? And so, of all the good things that go into being a a good tennis player, all of those things suffered because I didn't have devotion. And I mean, I made the team, so who knows what could have happened, what I could have accomplished had I stuck with it, had I devoted myself, myself to it. But it doesn't matter because my lack of devotion made it clear that tennis had no future in my life. Nor did that girl, fortunately. My wife's great. So, you know, the unfortunate thing about Christianity, especially we, we see it here in the West, is that this is the biggest thing that's lacking. Many churches struggle with the issue of finding people who will fully dedicate themselves to the mission of Jesus. 
See, we, we have people who will come to church occasionally. We, we have people who will give. We have people who, who come every week. We have people who serve. And, and all of these are great, but each one of us, regardless where we are on that scale, each one of us has to take a look into the depths of our souls to really gauge where our dedication is to the mission of Jesus. How dedicated are we to the mission of Jesus? See, is it this, you know, I I will give everything I've got on Sunday, but the rest of the week, the rest of the week is mine, right? Is it that I will give financially so that I don't have to contribute my time? Is it that I will be all in at church as long as I don't have to share the gospel with my friends because that's just too intimidating? Right? Where is that dedication? And that's that's why regardless what it is, an honest look has to take place. And once it has, then we have to start working towards the next step. This is the constant reality of being a follower of Jesus. We always ask, how can I walk a little bit closer to Jesus tomorrow than I have today? How can I walk just a little bit closer to Jesus tomorrow than I have today? So this was their dedication and the moving on, still in Acts 2.42. We're going to spend a good amount of time just in this one verse. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. See, I, I've seen, and you've probably seen too, Christians who are genuinely great people, right? They work hard to serve those who need it most and to, and to be involved in community service projects and, and, and those sorts of things, and that's awesome. We want to encourage that. That's great. But it breaks my heart when I find out that some of these Christians wouldn't know where to start if they were asked about the Bible. They wouldn't know where to start. See, for starters, how many of you have heard God helps those who help themselves, right? Yeah. Um, when, When I was growing up, I heard that all the time. And in fact, when I was in high school, that was actually one of the things that most people seem to know about the Bible, is that it says that God helps those who help themselves. But see, here's the really interesting thing. That was Benjamin Franklin. And a uh, quick history lesson, he did not help write the Bible. Um, that was, it was a little, little later. So, see, the early church, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Scripture the same way that we have it. Bibles all over the place. The full Old and New Testament. Any translation that you could want, right? ESV, NIV, whatever you want. They didn't have it like that. They had, to some degree, they had the Old Testament scrolls. Largely, they depended on on oral traditions being passed down and hearing the scriptures from their family. But see, when you're launching something brand new like the church, when you've just been commissioned by Jesus, sometimes that kind of stuff isn't as helpful as you wish it was, right? And so it was incredibly important that the early church had to press into the teachings of those who actively walked with Jesus, those who actually got to ask him questions. And see, what's different for us, I don't have any new revelation for you, right? None of our pastors do. 
It's, it's all there in the text, right? These same men, they left documents for us to read by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that's the incredible thing about this, is we still have the texts left by the apostles for us. They may not have been written to us, but they've certainly been written for us. And, and this was, in the early church, this was an opportunity for the community to together dive into the teachings of Jesus and into the Old Testament teachings that promised what he had come to do. The whole of the Bible is about Jesus and him bringing the kingdom of God. That's what the church was all about. That's what the church is all about. And so what's incredible is that the Holy Spirit now partners with us with us as we read throughout these texts, right? So, so here's the deal. We don't want you to just come here and just take these messages for granted, right? Whether it's me or any other pastor. We want you to go home to your small groups and read through these texts and explore them and seek the face of God together because the Holy Spirit will illuminate these texts and change your life with them. One of the most incredible experiences of my life is when I actually started to, to read the Bible for myself, right? If you grew up in church, you know there's that like season that you just kind of, you go to church and, and people in church teach you and, you know, maybe you hear things from the Sunday school teacher, but, but there was this transition point in my life where I actually started reading the scriptures for myself and, and each time beforehand I would pray and I'd just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, if you, if you wrote these, if this is from you, Teach me what they really mean, right? Teach me what, what you need me to know. And through that, my theology began to take shape. And the crazy thing is I began to land on these conclusions that I would find out ancient, ancient theologians landed on far before me. I, I'd find out about guys who came out of the Reformation, who when they sat down and started reading the text and praying the same prayers they came to the same conclusions because the same God was with them as they read. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And, and it was wildly encouraging. And, and church, as a church, we absolutely trust that it is the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. And so we have to do our part as a community. See, there, there are churches out there that, that just, they have this reputation of, of just giving fluff, right? Of being good self-help teaching centers, but not actually fulfilling the mission of the church. And that is not what we want for us here. We want to be the church, not just play church. And so it's important that we know our Bibles and that we are actively creatures of the Word, because we believe that it is the most important text in the world and it literally has the power to change people's lives. So for us to have breakthrough in this new season as a church moving forward, like the early church, we have to pour ourselves into this text. And so we should be asking the question, how would Jesus have us live our lives? And that question is answered in his word. And in fact, we begin to see it as we continue moving through the text. So we've looked at Acts 2.42, but when you move to the next couple verses, Acts 2.43 and 44, 
Out of this, it says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Look at your neighbor. Now, now look at your other neighbor. Do we have all things in common? Right? Like, look around this room. Do we have all things in common? See, there, there are a lot of different cultures, different backgrounds, different stories, different passions just in this room, right? I mean, forget it when we walk out the doors. There's a lot of diversity just in this room. So as the church, the early church is welcoming these thousands of people, what had to happen for these people to have all things in common? See, we all realize that we're different. And to some extent, we accept the fact that that we're all different and will remain different. So what has to happen? And and I want to make clear that there is an element that comes down to each individual having to change to become the person who you were created to be by God. But more than that, your perception has to change. See, what I mean is how you view people has to change. When we all see each other, as individuals who are made in the image of God, we all begin to see each other as as children of God. And suddenly, suddenly we begin to see that we have a lot more in common than maybe we originally thought. See, let me be clear about something. You have a purpose. You have a place at the table of God. You were uniquely created. And, and, and we can sit and think about all of the people who never existed, who maybe could have existed. All of the people who, who maybe could have done just incredible things through life, but they've never existed. And you do. You do. Because God chose to make you to perfectly create you, and he made you in his image. And that should be so encouraging. But listen, church, of all the people who never existed, God made your neighbor. He took time to carefully put that person together and create another being made in his image. That's tremendous. So often we let our differences separate us. So often we let our differences discourage us and tear us apart and tear us down. Just a while back, I was visiting with a friend who's he's pastoring in another city, and I did a walkthrough through his facilities, and it was, we were talking about all the different things that, that they were able to accomplish in just his first year there as their pastor. And, and me... Being the technology nerd that I am, I was all into it because they took this super old school church and just brought them into the 21st century. They invested a ton in technology and bringing things forward, and, uh, and, and I got plenty nerdy about it. But so, so naturally, as I'm going through this, I begin to start thinking about all the things that I haven't accomplished. I start thinking about all the things that I haven't done. 
and all the things that we haven't done as a church. I started letting the things that were different about us tear me down. When, when what I should have been doing is I should have been celebrating the kingdom impact that he's making. I should have been celebrating how God uniquely made this man to pastor, and now he's doing an incredible job where he is. And ultimately, that should encourage me to keep pressing into what I was created for. See, seeing someone else fulfill their purpose should remind you that you are also created for a purpose. And it may not be the same one. In fact, it's probably not. But when you see people accomplish their purpose, that should be an encouragement for you, that you also have a purpose. And God is calling you to press into that. See, if you're still here, you're still being used by God, and he still has plans for you. See, this is the interesting thing. I hear from people often why they feel like, like they're finished, right? Why they're ready to hang up the towel, turn it in, and, and they're done. And, and oftentimes, I hear people tell me that they're too old, and they've become, they've become too irrelevant, and they can't do anything anymore. And what's interesting about that is how often I hear people tell me that they're too young, and maybe they can accomplish something when they're a little bit older, right? Do you see how crazy that is? Like, the old are looking at the young thinking that they can't do it anymore, while the young are looking at the old thinking that they can't do it yet. And so nobody's doing anything. And see, church, you are chosen, you are unique, you are beautiful, and you are made with a purpose. Never forget that. See, rather than looking at each other and the differences that there are, there's a reason that we brought in a next-gen pastor and not just a youth pastor, right? Because we believe that all generations have something to offer. Rather than, than having all the young people looking on one side and all the old people looking at the other side, we're saying let's build communities that merge together where we can mentor each other and grow together and use our diversity to fully see the image of God. That's what we want to see. So church, as we move forward uh, way faster than I'm comfortable with towards the end of the year, right? Like, it's October. What even happened? And so as we move forward, we are pushing a renewed focus on small groups, on creating, equipping, and multiplying small groups. Community was so important in the early church. And if we lose that, then we have lost a major component of the breakthrough that fueled the early church. So what, what we're going to be looking at is we want to, at the, at the start of the new year, we want to launch at least, at least 10 new groups. 10 new small groups at the beginning of the new year. And this means that we're going to be looking for small group leaders who we will train and equip. We're not just going to throw you out there. It's okay. We'll train you. We'll equip you. We'll work with you. But this also means that we're going to be looking for people to join those groups, right? Small group leaders do us no good if there's no people to join their groups. So knowing this, I want to encourage every single one of us to pray about where God wants you in the world of small groups. 
And if you feel that God is leading you to, to lead a small group, I would encourage you, reach out to me or any of the staff. And you can reach me at Seth at svcclamore.org, and I, I would love to connect with you and walk you through this. But so as, as we begin to wrap this up, let's take a look at how community, how community impacted the early church. When they were able to bring all that diversity and devotion together, this is what happened. Acts 2 chapter 40, or excuse me, Acts chapter 2 verses 45 through 47. It says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you had monetary contributions, regular community attendance, fellowship, gratefulness, worship, and living peaceable lives. These were the the components of the community that made the early church make it from this this tiny country called Israel to this tiny city called Lamor. This is what fueled it. And so first, there there were the monetary contributions. And and if I can be honest with you for a moment, I don't enjoy when it sometimes rolls on me to ask for tithes and offerings uh, because I realize what a lot of people think. Uh, and, I, and I realize perceptions that people have of the church, but, but I want to show you something. There are a couple things at play here. One is the first thing you have to remember is that the money is not yours. James says that every good gift comes from the Father above. He's the generous one. But see, did you know that Jesus actually talks about money more than he talks about forgiveness? That's interesting, right? And it's because he knows how large of a reality it plays in our life. And he also knows how quickly it can consume us. And so as he is a generous God who's made us in his image, he calls us to be generous. And so I want to encourage generosity. Listen, life is hard. I want to encourage those who are already in small groups and and those of you who will be in the up-and-coming small groups to practice generosity. Because listen, eventually someone in your group will come across hard times. And if your group has prepared beforehand to be generous above and beyond your tithes, then you will have put yourselves in a position to literally change lives. That's the power of generosity. And next is the intentional community attendance. And this is so important because we do a good job of separating ourselves, right? We, we find ourselves alone, even in full rooms. We separate ourselves. But the Bible is clear that we are relational beings made for community. And, and let's not kid ourselves. Life can be hard. Yeah, Christianity can be hard, right? And so it's important for us to do this with a group of people who are going to help us keep going when it gets tough. You need Sunday attendance, but that's only one day a week. The the triune God who has perfect community in and of himself has made us in his image. And so I want to encourage you to lean into a small group. People are messy, but being made in the image of God means that you need that community. And next is fellowship. 
And, and I love this one because Christians talk about fellowship all the time, but it seems like we barely know what it means sometimes. It's just one of those Christian words. Uh, so, so here's something interesting. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Anybody ever heard that word before? Right? The church of fellowship right down the street. Uh, so, so let me make this simple for you. Fellowship means that we share life together. We share it together. We experience life together. And you know what one of the best ways to do that is? Don't laugh, okay? You got to promise me. Nobody promised. Okay. And now you're laughing. All right. Food. Food is one of the best ways to fellowship. Now you, learn, now you know why I love this one so much. See, such an easy way to do this is just to invite a small group into your home for dinner. And I know that's difficult for a lot of us, but this was a huge way that the early church grew. As people ate together and got to know each other and began to do life together, they learned to love Jesus and want to walk closer to him. Next is gratefulness. This is a pretty easy one, so I don't have to spend much time here. How many of you love spending time with ungrateful people? Right? Um, Shocking. No hands came up. See, gratefulness is the way that we recognize that at the end of the day, God is the big picture, right? Not us. Not us. God is the big picture. He is the king over all things, and everything that we have is a gift from him. And as we practice gratefulness, that should push us into the next, which is worship. See, when we realize God's supremacy and what he's done for us, we will have no option but to worship him. And listen, church, because this is important. You are always worshiping something. It may be money, it may be possessions, it may be yourself. But you are always worshiping something. And it is so important for the world around us to see that we as Christians are making God the object of our worship and nothing of lesser value. And the last one, that the communities of the early church used to define themselves is peaceable living. See, Christians were just nice people to live around. We should be the kind of people that that others want to be around. People want us to be their neighbors, right? Because they know that their property value is going to go up because they've got good Christians living next door to them, right? Right? In everything that we do, we should be kind and loving people and loving the people around us. Instead of getting wrapped up in all of the things in our community that has people so angry at each other, our call as Christians is to earn the favor of all people. And this means in in our small communities, doing things like community service projects with your small group, making it more than just a book club. Because the church is called to be more than just a book club. We are looking at real life transformation on the inside of your small group, but also on the outside of it. See, historically, the church has exploded during pandemics because while everybody else was running for their lives, the Christians were running back in and saying, how can I put my life on the line for you? Man, if you want to talk about earning favor from people, That'll earn some favor. 
That was the Christian reputation. That's what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus was the one who stepped out of perfection into the mess of our lives and this world. And the message of the cross is the perfect mission of Jesus stepping into the mess of this world. And that is still the commission of the church. And I believe that that mission can be filled out much more effectively in small groups. Groups of people unified in their community carrying out the work of Jesus based on monetary contributions, regular community attendance, fellowship, gratefulness, worship, and living peaceable lives. And the passage ends by saying that people were being saved day by day. Remember this. You and those around you were made with a purpose. You are each unique and you are made in the image of God. And this should drive you to live the kind of life that other people would want. This is how the church grows. If you've done Rooted, or if you're doing Rooted now, you'll find this quote in, in the beginning of your book. Pastor Muithi Wanjiao says, change a city, take a continent, win the world. Change a city, take a continent, win the world. It starts here. It starts in the community of your small groups. So I want to encourage all of you to be thinking and praying of what exactly your place in a small group is because you can't do life alone. And rather than looking at the mess of the world and falling into hopelessness, let's take it one small community at a time. And we will see us change a city, take a continent, win the world. As we pursue the face of Jesus together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and, and just uh, that your Holy Spirit still speaks to us. We pray that you would draw us together as a community, as a church. That we would have more than just Sunday attendance more than even serving on Sundays. But that our church would be known for what it does Monday through Saturday, for the lives that are reached through the rest of the week, through the communities that are built, through the families inviting new families to their dinner tables. Jesus, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts and show us where you want us in community, whether it's to lead a small group or to, to participate in a small group. I pray that you would give us the fuel that we need to multiply these small groups over time that we can see more and more people coming to you. Our goal, Jesus, is to see people being saved day by day. And so we love you we lay ourselves at your feet and we just simply ask to you to fulfill your mission with us. And we thank you for that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. We'll see you next week.